The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. All right, I want to invite our our youngsters to come over here. The kids can come over. We can kind of sit in the the front here. You guys can sit right here. We're going to talk about the creed some more. All right. So we've been talking about the creed for several months now, haven't we? All right. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the resurrection. But the next thing that we say in the creed is that he ascended into heaven. We believe that Jesus ascended into heaven. And you know what? When we're saying the creed, there's part of the creed where we bow. Do you guys remember the part of the creed where we bow? No. Hmm? Who remembers when we bow during the creed? Tell you have a guess? Um, when it says that he died on the cross. And... A little bit before that. When do we start bowing? Who remembers when we start bowing? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Not quite. Anybody? When? When do we start bowing? Hmm? We start bowing when we talk about Jesus' incarnation. We say that he was incarnated. That's right. From the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we say that, we bow. We bow because the incarnation means that God is with us. Because Jesus became a person just like us, God is always with us. 
That's our good news. That's what the word gospel means. When we say that we are telling people the gospel or we're sharing the gospel or we're reading the gospel, that word means the good news. And the good news is that God is with us. That's the good news that we tell, that God is with us because Jesus was incarnate, because he became a human being just like you and like me. And so when we tell that part of the gospel, we bow. And then when we get to the end of that part of the gospel... We stand up. And what do we what are we saying when we stand up? Who remembers? We're bowing all the way until we say he ascended into heaven. We stand up. That's right. That's the next part of the creed. He ascended into heaven. And what that means is that God, who was with us, has taken us with him to heaven. Because he became a person just like you and just like me. It means that you and I have eternal life. Because we are with him forever. Jesus was God's blessing to us. What's a blessing? We use that word a lot in our church. What is a blessing? Michaela? A gift. That's right. It's a gift. When do we do blessings during the service? Who can think of when in our church services we do a blessing? When do we have a blessing on on Sundays or, or on other times? Ian, do you have a guess? What is it? Um, they have to have a crew, and they have to find everybody where they are, and they have to... Hmm? <laughs> no guess, huh? Anybody else have a guess? When do we do a blessing during the service? Hmm? What about when we say the gospel? Do we do a blessing when we say the gospel? Yeah, we do a blessing when we say the gospel. Right? We take our thumb and we put it on our forehead. And we make a cross on our forehead. And then we make a cross on our lips. And we make a cross on our heart to remind us that God is in our mind. And God is on our mouth. And God lives in our heart. Right? We can say that prayer by, by making a blessing over ourselves. When does the priest, that's me, when does the priest do a blessing during the service? Ian, do you have a guess this time? When do I do a blessing during the service? You have to make sense. You have to make sense? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do have to make sense. Tell it. Um, when... There's a hint. It's toward the very end. Yeah, I... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The very end of the service, I say, the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be on you and among you now and forever, right? Because a blessing, like Michaela said, is a gift. So Jesus is God's blessing to us. While Jesus was with us, he was God's blessing. He was God's gift to us. And because Jesus was with us, and because Jesus is one of us, and because Jesus lives forever, it means that you and I have eternal life. And it means that you and I have the Holy Spirit. And it means that you and I can be free from sin. All of that is what it means when we say that Jesus ascended into heaven. That we have eternal life. That we are set free from sin. And that the Holy Spirit lives with God's people in God's church. But I want you to listen to something else. When Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what St. Luke says. St. Luke says that while Jesus was blessing the disciples, he ascended into heaven. Now, what does a blessing mean? A blessing is a gift. gift. Jesus is God's gift to us, 
And Jesus blessed his disciples as he ascended into heaven, which means that you are God's blessing. You ever think about that? When God blesses us, it means that we are God's gift to each other. It means that we are God's gift to our neighbors. It means that we are God's gift to creation. The whole world can be different because the Holy Spirit is with us, because we are set free from sin, because we have eternal life. The whole world can be different because we are God's gift to the world around us. So we come into the church every week so that we can see King Jesus again, so that we can be near to him, so that we can receive his blessing at the end of church. When I say those words of blessing over us, it's not me saying them to us, it's Jesus saying them to us. It's a reminder to us of what Jesus says to us all the time, which is that you, every single one of you, are God's gift to the people who are around you. And being God's gift means that we get to be a blessing to other people, right? All right, who practiced the memory verse this week? I like your honesty. All right, let's say it, we'll say it together, okay? Our memory verse came from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. As in Adam, as in Adam all die, for as in Christ Jesus all will be made alive. There you go. That's it right there. High five, Matthew. Awesome. All right, you guys can go and sit down. All right. When I was growing up, my dad uh, used to take me to Highland Games. Quick show of hands. Who has ever been to a Highland Games? Okay, so there's, there's several of us who have been. All right, if you haven't been, this is a special kind of nerdy thing. All right? So people who have... Scottish heritage and are way into having Scottish heritage do these do these events usually local events called Highland Games and what they do is all of the people who are connected to their their ancestral clans will go to like a state park or sometimes like a, a community college where they have a big field and they set up booths and so there will be you know the 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 clan McLeod will have their booth over here and then you know the the, the McIntyres will have their booth over there and so all of the people who are represented locally will set up a booth and you can go around to the different booths and you can learn about the different clans and their different histories and you know all of the people who have been a part of that and the 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 influence that they have had on the world around them but the Highland Games is not just about learning about your family history it's also about being Scottish. <laughs> so everybody, you know, walks around wearing tartans of some kind or, or a kilt, uh, which is, let me just tell you, a kilt is like 12 pounds of wool. And when you grow up in Arizona, 12 pounds of wool is not fun to wear around. It doesn't matter what time of year. <laughs> it makes no difference what time of year it is. 12 pounds of wool hanging off of you is not fun. But you do it anyway because you're Scottish. It's what you do. So what they do is they have these games, and they have they're Highland games. So it's like track and field, but if track and field just involved rocks. So you just they have they have a rock throwing contest to see how far you can throw the rock, and then they have a rock heaving contest where you hold a rock and you throw it as high straight up above your head as you can, and you try to get it over the top of a target and not get smushed. 
Uh, and then there is a, a rock flinging contest where you put a stick on a rock and you throw it as hard as you can. But you have to spin around and terrify everybody who's in the vicinity. Uh, and then there's the log throwing competition where you pick up a giant log and you try to throw it farther than everybody else. This is Scottish track and field. <laughs> they also have dancing and they have pipe competitions because there are, there, there are you know, traditional dances uh, in, in that culture as well as traditional music. But one of my favorite things to watch was the sheep herding competition. Because in the sheep herding competition, they would have these, uh, they don't have a sheep toss. Which would be should. fun, though. They should do that. We should, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll write to the Caledonian Society locally and see if they want to introduce the sheep tossing competition. So they have, in, in, in Scotland, you have a sheepdog. And the way that the, the shepherd works is that he has, a, uh, he has a, a shepherd's crook and he has a series of calls and whistles that he makes. And he gives commands to the dog, and the dog's job is to herd between three and six sheep, depending on which, uh, which, which competition you're in. You have to make the sheep do different things, but the, but the shepherd is not allowed to move. He, he has to stand completely still in one place, and all that he's allowed to do is give calls to the dog. So it's really a competition based on how well your dog is trained. And so the dog is running around moving the sheep, and you have to move them in different directions, and you have to move them through some different places. You have to move them into a pin and out of a pin. And it is quite an impressive thing to watch these dogs because the dogs that they use are, you know, very small. They're just tiny little dogs, but they let the sheep know who's boss. And it always confused me why that was the way that shepherding worked, but it's not the way that shepherding is described in the Bible. And Jessica and I started watching a really, really nerdy show that I, I, I imagine that all of us will enjoy. Uh, it's called The Victorian Farm. If you haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure it's on, on Amazon Prime and you should go look it up. But what I realized is that this way of handling the sheep is different than the way that the rest of the world historically handles sheep because it's based on a market. The, 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 the owner of the sheep is raising sheep so he can take them to a market. And if you have a, especially a huge number of sheep and you're having to move them in one particular direction, you're not keeping them all of the time. You don't have a relationship with your sheep. You don't know your sheep. Your sheep don't know you. You take them to market. That's, that, that's what the, the sheep are for. And so you have a dog and you have other shepherds and their job is to help you. But when we look at the rest of the world, the majority world, that's not the way that shepherding works. Shepherding looks very different in the rest of the world, and especially historically, shepherding looks very different in the rest of the world. In the ancient Near East, and even today in many parts of the Near East, the shepherd is the only person who's out with the sheep. They very rarely have helpers that go with them, even though they'll be responsible for dozens, if not hundreds, of sheep. And the way that shepherding works is that they will gather their flock and they will lead their flock up into the mountains where there is good grazing. But the good grazing isn't everywhere. It's in specific locations. And so these shepherds from all over the region will bring thousands of sheep to these meadows in the mountains so that they can graze. Well, it doesn't matter what kind of dog you have. You can whistle all day long and have it really trained really well, but your dog's not going to be able to pick your sheep out of a giant flock. In that world, in, in the world of the New Testament, the shepherd had a series of calls and whistles that were for his particular sheep. And even to this day, the shepherds, you can, you can find videos of this on, on YouTube, and it's fascinating to watch and listen to. They'll have particular calls, and you will see the sheep turn and move toward the shepherd, 
even when there are a bunch of shepherds all making calls and whistles at the same time. The sheep hear the call that the shepherd is giving and they turn and they follow. The sheep hear that distinctive word and they turn and they follow. And so when Jesus is sitting with this crowd in John 10 and he tells them, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. The people who were there understood what Jesus meant. They understood what Jesus was saying because they knew what sheep were like. Even if they weren't shepherds, they knew enough about shepherding to know that this is how shepherds live. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. But here's what I find particularly interesting. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't say, my sheep follow me? That's not the first thing that Jesus says. The first thing that Jesus says about his sheep is that they know my voice. They hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. When Jesus describes his work in the world, when Jesus describes the proclamation of the gospel, when Jesus describes the building of God's kingdom, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Hearing comes before following. And it's so easy for us to get those in opposite order, doesn't it? We become Jesus' disciples, we learn to follow Jesus, and then somewhere along the way, we learn to hear Jesus' voice. But that's not what Jesus says in the gospel. What Jesus says is that my sheep hear me, and then they follow. Hearing happens first. And it only happens if we are people who listen. See, Jesus is sitting with the crowd here, and the crowd is getting annoyed with him, and they call him out. They say, Jesus, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? How long are you going to play games with us? Why won't you just tell us whether or not you are the Messiah of God? And what does Jesus say to them? I already told you. He says, I've already told you. But you weren't listening. My sheep hear my voice. I know my sheep. And they follow me. See, if we are going to be Jesus' followers, the first thing that we have to do is learn how to listen to the voice of the shepherd. That's the first thing. That is the most important thing. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you must learn to hear his voice. And hearing is hard in the world that we live in. Even when we find quietness, it's hard for us to be quiet, isn't it? This constant noise that is around us in this noisy world that we have created <laughs> i might even suggest that we created the world to be noisy because we were tired of listening we got tired of listening to each other and we got tired of listening to our neighbors and we got tired of listening to the world and we got tired of listening to the voice of god and so we made the world as noisy as we possibly could But if we are going to be disciples of Jesus, we have to learn how to listen again. 
At St. Aidan's, we say that the first thing that we do as a community is that we pray. That's our first, our primary value together. It's not that we are a community that celebrates uh, at the Lord's table. It's not that we are a community that engages in acts of service. All of those are important, but those are only things that are important because we are Jesus's followers, because we hear the shepherd's voice and we follow where he leads. Because the shepherd speaks to us at his table. Because the shepherd speaks to us in our neighborhoods. But it doesn't matter unless we know what the voice of the shepherd sounds like. Otherwise, we'll always be wandering around, whether we're next to God's table or whether we're next to our neighbors, saying, Jesus, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? When are you going to reveal yourself? When are you going to be here present in the midst of everything that's going on? But he is. He is always already present if we will learn how to listen. And this is why it matters. Jesus says it matters because listening and following is what leads us to eternal life. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. But eternal life begins with you and I following It means you and I going to the places where the shepherd is leading us. It means you and I staying in the places where the shepherd stays. It means you and I eating the things that the shepherd gives to us. But so often I don't want those things. So often I want to go to the other places that I see around me. And I want to be in the other places that I see on the horizon. I want the other things that I see. I don't want the things the shepherd gives. I don't want to be in the place where the shepherd stays. I don't want to go to the places where the shepherd is leading. But Jesus says, I give my sheep eternal life. And that eternal life comes from you and I being God's people who are following where God is leading setting aside our own wants and our own needs and our own hungers and our own desires to go the places that the Lord is leading us. To go where the shepherd leads instead of having our eyes constantly fixed on the horizon. To stay in the places where the shepherd stays, not paying attention to the things that are all around us all the time to receive what the shepherd gives to us instead of trying to meet our own needs. It means watching. It means listening. It means following our Savior because he says he knows his sheep. Because he says to you today, you are mine. We listen, and we hear, and we follow because we belong to him. Because we are his sheep. He says, they are my sheep, and no one snatches them away from me. That's what Jesus says about you today. No one takes you away. No one, not the world, not the flesh, not the devil. 
not the world around us, not our own sin, not the spiritual forces of darkness. Nothing snatches you away from him. You belong to Jesus. And because we belong to him, we belong to each other as well. That means that we're not alone, that we're not forgotten. We belong to Jesus and we belong to each other. And that is our life. That's our hope. That's our joy because Jesus is calling us beside still waters. Because Jesus is calling us to a cup that overflows. Because Jesus is calling us to good and safe places. Because in the presence of Jesus, we have life and we have hope. Because here at the Lord's table, you and I encounter the Lord face to face. Because this is the place where we see our King. This is the place where we meet our shepherd. This is the place where we are home. Because God is here. This is the place where we can learn to listen. This is the place where we can practice hearing his voice. A place where we do everything possible to reduce the noise that is around us so that we can just be God's sheep together. So that we can be together in the presence of God. So that we can learn to hear him, to hear his voice in the word, to hear his voice at the table, to hear his voice through and from each other. This is our king. This is our shepherd. This is our home. And that's why, as St. John says, the lamb on the throne will be our shepherd. And he will guide us to springs of living water. And he will wipe away every tear from every eye. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.